0: In the name of one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. good morning. Do you have someone in your life that has just changed your life for the better? A mentor, apprentice type of relationship, something like that. In my life, many men and women have had seasons of playing that role of being just somebody who I looked up to and awed and was just, I wish I could be where they were one day. As I consider just a few of them in beginning our sermon this morning, Father Ken Azel, for me, was a mentor for many, many years. As I would leave college at 23 years old and then throw 15 different resumes across the country at different churches in different denominations to see what doors God may open, I would wind up in the Episcopal Diocese of Western North Carolina as a bright-eyed, not-much-experienced youth pastor at the time. And our relationship would grow from there, where he would be just a lot of guidance and we would have our weekly meetings where we would pray for one another, share life together and talk about the ups and downs of ministry. I am thankful for the several years that he poured into me as a youth pastor and then as well in preparation for ordination. He walked with me through that 10 plus years of my life. And I have a relationship like that with Joe as well, as we, Tuesday mornings is our time where we share an hour, and it's not enough most of the time to share our lives, and we pray together, talk about ministry, what we're getting ready for the coming week, and then we spend time in prayer, where he shares with me his experience with guidance, some motivation, and some inspiration. I tell you these stories and I want you to ponder who are those people in your lives because we have a story like this with in our epistle uh, to Timothy. We hear the great St. Paul, the Apostle Paul in five verses sharing this with the much younger Timothy, sharing inspiration, sharing guidance, and sharing motivation. Now, Timothy is in the F. F- is a leader in ministry in the Ephesus area. You can read about this if you like to study more about the background of things in Acts 19 and Acts 20. But he is a young appointed leader into the young church in Ephesus. And Paul is writing him a letter pointing to his own conversion and commission to show the beauty of God and where Paul's true power comes from. That's the five little verses which are actually packed with much deep meaning that we consider this morning. Is Paul talking about his own experience, his conversion and his commission and then encouraging young Timothy To be a leader in the church. And he is encouraging him the leaders of the church might question your age, but God has appointed you there for a reason. And he also warns him there are going to be many false teachers that come in. But let me paint you a picture by looking at my own experience. Paul, sharing his with us and with Timothy, let me show you from my own experience what a true minister of the gospel of Christ looks like. And that's what he refers to, the two C's today, his conversion and his commission. And as we consider what Paul is telling Timothy, let it prepare your hearts for how it even speaks to us today. On the road to Damascus is where Paul would come into contact with God and through Christ, and it would change his life. We hear the language that Paul uses in these five little verses in Timothy this morning. I was a persecutor, I was a blasphemer, and I was a violent man, which made me the utmost, the foremost, or in other translation, the chief Of all sinners. Paul is talking about who he used to be before he had contact with Christ and the message of Christ that would penetrate his heart. I mean, we have to ask the question when it says he was a violent man, he persecuted the church. And it also said how he was acting in ignorance of unbelief, not disbelief, but purpose unbelief, trying to riot against and tear down the church of God. That's who Paul was. Before I say conversion, who he met Christ on the road to Damascus. And we have to ask the question, how does a murderer, whether Paul actually killed followers of Christ before he met Christ, or if he gave the actual uh, command for others to kill, how does a murderer become one of the greatest missionaries of the church? That's what we are looking at. How does a sinner become a saint? This is what Paul is hinting at in his encouraging and motivating and inspiring Timothy He's saying, look at who I became. In my unbelief, God judged me as faithful, and then he appointed me. And we all know as the story unfolds what Paul did in his life, becoming the apostle Paul, one of the great patriarchs of the church, writing most of the New Testament in, in the letters that we have, all the epistles, all the missionary journeys he would go on, that question comes back, how does a murderer with that type of heart against the things of God become one of the great patriarchs, one of the great missionaries of the church? That is when Paul points to outside himself. He takes no credit for all the accomplishments and all the things that he did. And he he says it is only because of the unconditional love, the superabundant grace, and the overabundant mercy of Christ that comes through his gospel. Am I even able to do this? This is how he inspires. He points to his own experience as an example that we even today can hold up in front of us. Not to boast in who we used to be, but who we are now in Christ. And from those things, look at what we can do. That is the pattern that we see Paul sharing with us this morning. Always, forever, pointing to the one who makes it so for all of us, the grace, mercy, and love of Christ shining through us. Or let me put it this way, as we consider ourselves in that pattern, in our own conversions, where we met Christ, and wherever point that was or if that is still to come, and then our commission, where we go into ministry and live life similar to the Apostle Paul. Let us look at it this way. Last weekend, I was up here on a Friday night and Saturday morning with the Happening team, Happening 141 preparing. That is where I I will not be with you next week. I will be there at Camp Weed as God Squad for Happening 141. But I would meet as the young people and a few of the leaders would gather last weekend here as that leadership treat was preparing. I would meet Randy Winton. If you don't know Randy, he lives in Tallahassee, but his mother, Suzanne Witten, comes to 1030 and has been a member of this church for a long time. Just in a brief little conversation, Randy and I spoke about how his father was one of the original, if not the original, I don't remember exactly, uh, senior wardens of this parish. And he also would point up to one of the stained glass windows in the back where you will see the name Charles Winton. And I was thankful for him sharing this story with me, just their long-term legacy as that family in this church, for we are all just like those stained glass windows. Now, if you look at them, each of them has a name in a family story, but without the light it shines through those windows, that's all they are. It's glass and in some color and some things holding them together. But when the sun, when the light shines through, when the vibrance and the brightness of God's grace shines through, when the love of God shines through, and when the mercy and our faith that comes from God shines through those windows, a great story unfolds, that points to God and God's message of grace in our lives. That is how we, just like Paul, Paul had a season. Everybody represented in those windows. Every family had a season of life, but it is God. It all points to how God has acted before time and stepped into time, resurrecting and giving all of us new life through his mercy and through his grace and through his love. That is how we are all stained glass windows. We all have a story of when God penetrated us, when we, acting in unbelief or disbelief, may have even, just like Paul, persecuting the church of God, or somewhere along those lines, we are all sinners apart from God. And the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to rip the hard walls and the bricks down around our hearts softens them and prepares us for ministry in our church. And from there, once we know his message in worship, in thankfulness, we begin to serve. And our ministries, it may be in the pulpit, or you may be considering becoming clergy, or as a lay person, you all have a ministry. And you may be into that ministry living it full out or that may not have been presented to you yet. But remember what Paul said, who I used to be, how I met Jesus and how it transformed me. And then look at the life I lived all because of him coming into my life. That is the source of power, his grace, his mercy and love. I'll close this morning as we ponder all of these things You are free. When you feel that temptation as we all do in the human experience to remember our sins of the past or even our ongoing failures, it's just like Mexican pile on with grace. More grace, more grace, and more grace that erases that story forgotten as you walk in your new identity just as Paul did. We see it ending in the last line, verse 17, of what we have in our epistle this morning. Paul actually uses what has become a doxology. Ology meaning the expression or study of, and in the Greek, doxa meaning the glory of God. Verse 17, as we opened up in our opening hymn, says this, as the expression and praise and thankfulness of the glory of God, the immortal the invisible God-only wise. That is why we gather. That is how we are changed. And it's how we walk forward in service and outreach and ministry to God. What a journey we get to be on. And we get to do it together. All pointing just like the stained glass windows. The story is not complete. And we all get a season. But it all points to the work of Christ in our lives, the immortal, immortal, invisible, God-only wise. All praise be to the God who made it so for us all. Amen.